Welcome to today's episode brought to you by the Women in Medicine Summit, a transformational CME conference happening September 13th to 14th at the Drake Hotel in Chicago. Engage in leadership programming, learn negotiation skills, receive on-site coaching and mentoring, and see who will win this year's I Stand With Her Awards. This year, we're excited to offer unique programming that includes a special session on how using improv comedy can bring fun back into medicine. We also have financial sessions tailored to help you navigate the complexities of personal and professional finances. Discover ways to advance into leadership roles, combat burnout, and either reignite your love for your current role or find joy in a new career path. Don't forget our Friday evening gala, a highlight this year you definitely won't want to miss. Register now at womeninmedicinesummit.org and be part of the movement that is shaping the future of healthcare. Join us to network, learn, and celebrate the power of women in medicine. Welcome to the Revitalizing Doctor podcast. We explore with our guests how you can move from surviving to thriving as a physician. We know that when you connect with your values and authenticity, you can live a life that is fulfilling and not only good for you, but drives the necessary transformation in healthcare to take better care of our physicians, which means better care for our patients. Hi, the next big thing happening at Revitalize is our upcoming mini mastermind course that is Boundaries, the key to beating burnout. That will start on June 8th. All the sessions are virtual and will meet every Wednesday for four weeks at 4 p.m. Pacific and 7 p.m. Eastern time. This is going to be an awesome course. If you, like many women physicians, feel like you are on a treadmill that you don't control the incline, the speed, or the destination. We are going to help you develop the tools to more clearly communicate your boundaries, ensure your boundaries are linked to your values, and develop an accountability and group of people that can support you in maintaining your boundaries well beyond this course. So we're really excited to help you live a better life both at home and work and if you'd like to learn more about this course please give us an email at revitalizemm.info at gmail.com you can also check out our website at www.peoplealwayshcc.com slash boundaries dash one and you'll be able to Also download a free boundaries worksheet on our website to get a taste of what we'll be covering in the course. So I want to go back to, there was something that you said earlier that that first year was really hard because you, and I think this is a common thing, and I, I did a similar thing during residency where you're in this male dominated environment and most of your mentors or the people you're looking around are male. So you think the only way to succeed in that environment is emulating them and taking on more masculine qualities and kind of like almost like an overcorrection um, for maybe some of the feminine qualities that we have. 
um, and you, you said I was feeling miserable or, you know, it, it was hard. How did you find your way back to, you know, one of the things we really value here at Revitalize, your authenticity, that you could find your voice and walk in that Marine Corps space being like, I am Lieutenant Cat Landa and I'm awesome. I got a slap in the face. <laughs> Again, by the CEO. And I told you, like, you may not have wanted to have women. I don't know, really. But he he would say, like, I've, I've learned to actually really enjoy about the Marines specifically is they'll tell you what's on their mind. So we're in the field. And again, I've been doing this for probably six, seven, eight months. And a Marine comes to me with like a stupid cut on his hand. It's not deep. It's just a, like a slice. It's fine. I'm on my way to a meeting of all things in the field. I'm like going to a meeting. I'm like, you're fine. Like it's a boo-boo. It, it is like go see your corpsman. And he complained which I don't think would happen with a male doctor, but he complained to his sergeant who complained to the gunny, who complained to the, the first sergeant, who complained to the sergeant major, who complained to my boss. And so after this meeting, which was with said boss, my commanding officer, he's like, Kat, I need to talk to you. So we go outside. He's like, you know, I don't like how you, you're treating my Marines. Wow. I was like, well, sir, what do you, what do you mean by like, what is this? What are you trying to say? Like, what do you mean by this? He said, he called out this particular circumstance and he said what that Marine was looking for was reassurance. And honestly, he's like, whether you like it or not, they come to you because you're a woman. They're coming to you because you can actually make them feel better. Whoa. That, I mean, were you at this point, like, WTF? Oh, completely. I was like, so are you? I was so angry. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. But over the years, I've, like, thought about that. I tend to ruminate. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm guilty as charged as well. I think it, you know, it's a certain, like, a little bit of rumination, like, helps us mull things over and grow. Exactly. And right. that's what I did over time. I mean, I was so mad. And it bothered me for probably months and probably past this, the time that this CO turned over because he turned over after my first year there. But in retrospect, I do see that there is a benefit. And he was calling out something that is true as a, as a father of, you know, a million children. And these are, these are children. Like these young Marines are, and nowadays I can say that I'm like, Oh, they're so cute. They're like little puppies. Like, they're 18, 19, 20 years old. Like they've only been away from home for a tiny bit of time and they have a hard life. And because I was living it with them, I was like, kind of like suck it up. Like this is, we're all doing this. And sometimes I do have to pull that out. I think I said it to a patient just recently um, in the ER, which was like, yeah, you, we all wear, fl I've worn my flack for, you know, six months plus, like that's not what's causing your pain, but we can look into whatever it is. But to go back to the story, it took me a while to kind of come to terms with that, that truly these are children. And my CO saw them as his children and knew I could do better. I think that's really what it came down to. Because this is a man that I actually bring his children to see me sometimes. So I, I knew it wasn't a hit on my medical care. He wasn't attacking my expertise in medicine, which, I mean, let's face it, I was internship trained. I was not an expert at anything. But according, like, compared to the Marines, 
that you are, you right. are an expert, right? And, um, you know, sometimes treating boo-boos is our job and sometimes making people feel better, especially in emergency medicine, like reassuring people by doing X, Y, and Z test is kind of our job. And so in retrospect, after, you know, a decade now reflecting on this, I can still bring this story up. It was that upsetting at the time. I think that there truly is a place. And I think I utilized that a lot more this last deployment I had with the Marines. And if I had to be proud of anything, that's probably it. Like I was able to take that lesson and try to figure it out. I didn't get it right for a long time, but at least start to think about what that truly means. Yeah. And I think hearing that story, you know, I can think there's so many times in the emergency department, I think it's true for anybody in medicine that you get a minor complaint one that seems so trivial and, and frankly, like a waste of your time. Uh, but the truth is you're still going to have to move through that interaction. Um, so you can be curt and rude and dismissive and make that person feel small, whether it's the consultant that called you or the patient in front of you. But that, man, that leaves a lot of bad energy. And there's um, research that 45 seconds of compassion, 45 seconds, which is not long, even for an emergency doctor, can actually be perceived by the patient. So it's like you could have probably had the same interaction time-wise with a completely different outcome. But I can only say that, you know, 10 years later. Exactly. It's completely true. I mean, in retrospect, literally, he wanted me to just look at it and tell him, hey, you're going to be okay. Like, Go wash it out. I'll look at it more later. Yeah, or go see your corpsman. They can let me know if it's something that I need to take a look at, but it's going to be okay. I could have said it in that way, which I said now many times since then, and that would have been fine. But part of me at that time, for sure, was worried, like, if I put this softness out there, I was already overworked, right? I was one person for a thousand, almost a thousand Marines, and I had no help other than my corpsman, which a lot of other battalions would have a PA and they'd have like an IDC, which is an independent duty corpsman who kind of acts in a role similar to a PA. And I didn't have that. And we had a very high operational tempo. So I was just burnt. I was burnt out. I was overworked. And instead of, you know, taking on the extra time, part of me worried that if I was soft in those moments that I would receive more work. Oh yeah. So if you, if you got the reputation of being, too warm and fuzzy, then they're all going to be signing up, not for testicular exams, but now for warm and fuzzy time. And that's exactly, I'm so happy you brought that phrase. That is exactly the phrase my CO said. He said, you are here. This also hurt my feelings. You are here to be a warm fuzzy for me and for my Marines. Wow. Yes. I, I mean, that's so like, I cannot imagine him saying that to a male. No, (laughs) not at all. all. And I was so angry. I think that phrase, I I forgot about it. Well, I triggered you. You did. You triggered me. I was like, oh my gosh, that's the exact phrase he used. Warm, fuzzy. Like I'm a blanket, but I don't know what that means. Like I was so upset at the time. I, I think I rebelled a little bit longer as in like, I'm not seeing anybody. Like they can go through the corpsman. I'm going to sit over here and be by myself and read my books and, you're not showering for days. I mean, you're just under like a lot of stressors of things that are just very uncomfortable. So that just added to insult to injury 
at the time. But in retrospect, again, I think it's it's something that when people are truly hurt, they do need someone who is caring and warm. You don't need to be a blanket, but you can at least extend one. You know, you, you can you can do something to help them in those moments. And so it's a it's a very fine line to, to walk. It, it it's it's hard. <laughs> yeah, and I think we're still navigating it, like yes. day to day. You know, um, it truly is a journey. Um, you know, I think I'm better at it than I was a decade ago. Uh, but there's still times where, you know, you you push too hard on one lever and you gotta pull back. Absolutely, and I see it in our ER um, where I work a lot, and in every ER, uh, civilian, military. Um, Patients come to me or their family members come to me and ask me for lots of things. So at the ER I work at right now, I'll be sitting next to another attending who almost always is male, many of which are older, and someone will come up to both of us, look directly at me and ask for water, a blanket, how much longer is this going to be, where is X, Y, and Z, even people that work at the hospital. So a corpsman's coming from another unit or a tech from another unit, and they'll ask me something that is way out of my purview. And I often think, would you ask this person next to me mm-hmm. the same question? And I find myself, you know, if I'm gracious in those situations, I feel better about myself initially, but then I get asked by more people, more people come up and more people come up and it becomes a, a recurrent issue. So I finally snap. I'm like, I'm not the charge nurse. I'm not a nurse. <laughs> Yeah. And then it's, it's not fair to that person. Like, yeah. So it's, it's, it's learning to put those boundaries down. Like, well, that sounds like a great question for the charge nurse and she's located over there. How about you go ask her? Right. I'd be happy to send someone to bring you a blanket. Right. Or when you're dictating, like, I'm so sorry, I'll be with you in a minute. I am dictating patient charts. Right. How about you ask this older man next to me? <laughs> right. Or, you know, here's here's where I'm at now. And hopefully we have a few male listeners. How about you hear this person coming up and say, this is actually my colleague, Dr. Landa, and she is not available. <laughs> or, you know, kind yeah. of, because so many times that I'm in that situation, my colleague sitting next to me just is so happy to let me do this extra emotional work. Yes. And now, you know, I'm, I'm in quiet moments, not every time because we don't have the energy. It takes so much energy to have these conversations, but sometimes I'm now like, you know, it would have been nice if you kind of stood up for me or kind of noticed that this is a recurrent issue. (laughs) I'll usually redirect. So in those situations, I try to point it out to you, but I usually say, you know, the next person that comes up here, how about you talk to them? Oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah, it's very simple. Because mm-hmm. I need to dictate or I'm putting in orders or I'm, you know, whatever X, Y, and Z I need to do in front of me. And they, they're most of the time, because it's a residency program at this particular hospital, trying to chat my ear off anyway. So I'm like, I'm busy <laughs> trying right. to do my own work. Yeah. And they're, you know, just trying, not all the time, but you know, like it just seems like there's just do 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 like in their own happy world. I'm like, I wish I could just be in this bubble like that. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, I could do this for days and we're going to have you back on the podcast, but I'd like to wrap up with a few of our questions that we like to ask everyone. 
So how do you stay physically fit? I don't consider myself physically fit at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. How do you, what do you do? I, I mean, I do know you like to do some type of physical activity. So what do you like to do? I really actually enjoy walking. I am a walker. I yeah. think that there are a lot of health benefits to it. And then the more I read, like, I think a lot of us in emergency medicine, but, you know, professional women, we operate on a very high stress level. Like mm-hmm. cortisol is probably always up. And then, you know, I'm sitting here drinking a coffee, which doesn't help. And I've really been kind of looking into how to decrease our stress levels and decrease our cortisol and help balance out just our hormones. And I've got just a personal interest in all this. And so I've taken up walking as opposed to doing really high intensity, like cardio. Um, and so I do like to walk. I like to walk four miles a day at least. Um, and that's my goal. I don't always meet it. And I'm not the type of person to, if I start like really trying to do that every day, I get obsessed and then it becomes a stressor. So I don't, I've, I've, walked myself into a place where it's okay. I also like to row. Um, I don't do it as often as I'd like to, but I have a rower at home that I use. And then I like, um, I actually like body weight exercises. So I'm a former acro air gymnast. Um, and I it was high school, so nothing special, but, um, I actually really like to still do like gymnastics activities. Like when I'm stressed out yesterday, stressed out, I'm like doing handstands in my hotel room in my dress blues. Um, <laughs> little known fact. So yeah, I like to do just kind of like body weight exercises and stretching. I like yoga. I get bored in classes. So I kind of do my own kind of flow at home. Um, and then I also have a very keen interest in um, food as as medicine. And intermittent fasting is a huge, huge piece of my life. It has been for a couple of years. I did keto a few years back. I realized that's a little bit too stressful, I think, on the system. Um, but I try to I enjoy cooking. I like to cook. So I try to cook things that are healthy and using the right proportions of carbs that are actually like high fiber and good for you. So that's a really long answer to say, I don't know. I dabble in everything. I think there was a lot of really cool pearls in there. So I I got a lot out of there. So the last question I want to ask is we are living through a period of intense change and you can apply that to emergency medicine, widen it out to medicine, widen it out to society and change related to the pandemic. So what would be your one piece of advice for, well, and certainly, I mean, We didn't even get into your time, your last deployment to Afghanistan being so turbulent. And that's like the euphemism of the year, probably. Mm -hmm. But just there's so much going on right now. So what would be your one piece of advice to somebody that's just like really struggling and just so fed up with life? I think I'll take this from my own meditation practice, which I've gotten into in the last I don't know, two years after my first deployment, I started utilizing meditation more. And this last deployment, that's literally what got me through a lot of it and continues to help me when everything else around you is falling to pieces. Literally when I was in Kabul this past summer, I mean, falling to pieces in front of you at your core, it's still just you and you have control over you and how you feel. I think what, um, Today's this morning's lecture, you know, your attitude in life is so much of what becomes a reality. And so if you can focus back on how to center yourself, 
turn off the TV, turn off the news, turn off the social media. I think so much of us is like pushed outward. We have no energy for ourselves Mm. and we don't take care of ourselves. So if anything, it's learning that you have to care for yourself first. And there's actually like a a meditation that this is what I always go back to, which is like, I care about myself. You know, I'm a doctor and I've learned to care about other people so much more than myself at my expense of sleep and health and exercise and eating healthfully and, you know, whatever other activities I want to do, my my marriage, all all these other things that have gone to the wayside at, at times. And you've had to pull it back is because I'm caring about other things around me more than myself. And I think that's what we have. We have to take care of ourselves. And so if you can center back and come back to yourself and, and really acknowledge that you need your attention first, I think it makes dealing with all these, this outer turbulence and chaos and destruction a lot easier and kind of brings a little bit of peace. And it doesn't be meditation for some people that, you know, that's spiritual, like it's, it's prayer, whatever it is. I think those are all the same thing. It's bringing it back to there is one thing that I can always go back to. And it's just, I'm okay. Whether you believe in a higher power or not, like I'm okay in this moment because everything else around me is out of my control. Wow. That, that is so beautiful. And what a beautiful way to end this, this podcast. Where can our listeners connect with you? Do you have any public facing social media? I don't yet, although this conference that we're at right now, I'm thinking I probably need to. Um, I'm on. I'm a big Instagram person. I like. I'm very visual, so um, I will probably make myself a public facing. I will make myself a public facing Instagram, but I'm, I'm actually a very private person, <laughs> um, and I worry about being attacked on social media. Not that I put out controversial things, but in seeing, especially our discussions last night at our board meeting, this is kind of where people go. So. I, I will put one out there, but it'll be on Instagram. Um, you can just search for me by name. I'll have it out there. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely, when you're out there, we will update our show notes. Um, Kat, this has been a much overdue treat, and I'm just so thankful um, that we got to have this conversation, and I'm so thankful for your continued service, and I look forward to having you back on the podcast because we just scratched the surface today. Thanks so much, Andrew. This has, been a, this has been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Revitalizing Doctor podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Revitalize Women Physician Circle, founded by Dr. Linda Lawrence and Dr. Andrea Austin, your host. You can connect with us on our website at www.peoplealwayshcc.com slash revitalize. You can tweet at us at revitalizewomen. And please connect with us on LinkedIn at Revitalize Women Physician Circle. We look forward to helping you go from surviving to thriving. This podcast represents our opinions and the opinions of our guests. It does not represent any entity that we work for or with, including the military, the government, or any other institution. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon.